To quote one former Georgia defensive lineman, Minnesota, you're next. That has to be the mindset for Rutgers football this weekend, and it's definitely my mindset in getting ready for this week's Rutgers ScoutCast, episode 33 of the show. I am your humble host, Sam Hellman, and I'm very excited to bring another episode to you. This is another episode that Look, I get that it's the middle of football season and everyone's talking Minnesota, everyone's talking the Rutgers quarterback situation, but there's a lot going on in the world of Rutgers athletics and we try to touch on it as much as possible in this show and that's what we have in the body. To start, I'm going to continue my coverage from Big Ten Media Day with a sit-down that I had with junior Mike Williams, the shooting guard for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Mike Williams is by far the most experienced member of Steve Peichel's roster. They brought him down to D.C. for media day, and I thought he did a great job. Mike Williams, at times, has a lot of fun in front of the cameras, in front of the microphones, and he did that this weekend. Sometimes when Rutgers isn't playing great, Mike Williams is not in a great mood, and that's because he's such a competitive person, and he really... He holds himself to a high standard when it comes to his shooting percentage, his perimeter defense, everything like that. This is a guy that, you know, anytime that Eddie Jordan opened his mouth last year, he would talk about how Mike Williams was playing the four, playing power forward. Mike Williams is 6'2". He's not, he's not even big enough to play power forward in high school, and he was doing it in the Big Ten. So, great job by Steve Peichel to add some size this offseason, and get Mike Williams back to his natural position. You'll hear about that. You'll hear about, we'll talk a little Keanu Reeves. We talk Space Jam, a bunch of different stuff with Mike Williams in the body of the show. After that, for the news, I welcome Brian Doan into the show, Scout National Recruiting Analyst, where we will talk about recruiting. We're going to talk about the situation with Jonathan Taylor, the running back commit. We're going to talk about Michigan commit Brad Hawkins of Camden, New Jersey, in our mailbag. And we're also going to talk facilities and Pat Hobbs announcement this week regarding the groundbreaking for a multi-sport facility. You guys know that as the crown jewel, the Rutgers basketball practice facility. Before we do that, here's a couple things that are on my mind and we're going to start on the football field. There's only so much to be said about Rutgers football right now. We've been talking about it all week on ScarletReport.com, so I don't want to beat everyone over the head with it here. If this is the only place where you hear from me and hear my input, I recommend you go over to Scarlet Report and check out everything that we've had getting ready for Minnesota. Rutgers has finally made its quarterback change, and the decision is to go with Giovanni Rossigno. Yes, that is the correct. Yes, that is the correct pronunciation. As you can tell, I can pronounce his name. I just can't pronounce any other words. Uh, Rossigno is a guy from Warren, Michigan, De La Salle High School, right outside Detroit. He's he's a big Eminem guy, like all people in Detroit are. Uh, he's a fun personality behind the scenes. I got to know him maybe you know January of his senior year when Rutgers discovered him and moved on him to replace Tyler Wiegers as its quarterback. On Friday, if you're listening to this, uh, Garrett Stepien of our staff has a really, really good feature with his quarterbacks coach, Ron Bonin, from high school. Ron helped Geo get to Rutgers with late development, and it's a really good story there. So here's what I think, in short. I think it was the right move by Chris Ash. I think it was the only move that Chris Ash could possibly make. Giovanni Rossigno is not going to turn the tides of this season, but he creates a spark of interest for the team. He brings energy. 
The players clearly responded to Geo in practice this week. And it's just, you know what, it's something different. I, I've said this through every quarterback competition. Different isn't always better, especially at Rutgers. But sometimes different is worth the downgrade or worth the risk. It's one thing if you're talking about Gary Nova versus Chase Dodd or Chase Dodd versus Tom Savage and Rutgers is playing for bowl games, playing for Big East championships. That's one thing. Rutgers doesn't have much to lose right now. Sure, they could still make a bowl game, but Rutgers has so much less to lose right now that why don't you build towards the future? Heck, uh, our members heard from Andre Patton earlier this week, and Andre Patton's a senior. He's got five games left in his career, maybe six. And even he said, look, I understand why the coaches made this decision. Uh, It's a move that is good for the long term and building towards the future, so I understand that. I think that that's the approach you got to take with Rosinho. Honestly, I don't know if Gio is going to be in the quarterback competition next year. We'll see how Tyler Noden improves. We'll see how quickly Jonathan Lewis is ready. You know, if we'll also see which quarterbacks choose to come back, because I guarantee you not all of them will. So in summarizing my thoughts on Giovanni Rossino, congratulations to him. That guy works his tail off. I hope that the fans show him support, that the fans give him a chance to grow into the role. Uh, this is what they're doing now. It's not an experiment. Gio Rossino's the guy. Chris Ash has said that, and Rutgers is going to ride and die with him at quarterback for now. That's really all I have to say about getting ready for Minnesota. Rutgers is a big underdog again. I don't blame Vegas for doing that, and honestly, I'm not picking Rutgers to win this week either. Again, prove me wrong. I love being proved wrong, especially when I pick against Rutgers. Uh, I, I remember, guys, when I pick against Rutgers as a student, players would come and make fun of me the next day when I'd see them in class, and I, I had fun with that. So again, please prove me wrong. I welcome you to. Uh, one other thought before we jump into a conversation with Mike Williams and then head into the news and the body of the show. Uh, I want to offer my congratulations to former linebacker Quentin Gauze, who is the newest member of the Denver Broncos practice squad. Quentin Gauze spent his preseason with the Philadelphia Eagles. Then he spent the first quarter of the NFL season with the New England Patriots before the Patriots uh, sent him, you know, gave him his walking papers. I saw Quentin Gauze on Saturday. He came back for homecoming. He put his Rutgers journalism degree to work and helped Chris Carlin, Eric Legrand, all the radio folks out. Uh, I'm glad that Quentin Gauze is finding some use for his Rutgers journalism degree, just like I am. And he's excited about the opportunity that he has in Denver. And you never know. Keep working hard and maybe he'll find a role. There are plenty of other guys that sat on practice squads for a year before they got a chance, and maybe Quentin Gauze is that next guy. So I wish him luck. And, of course, I also have to wish my guy, Eric Legrand, luck. Um, go ahead and Google an evening with Eric Legrand. It's a fundraising thing that he has at Fiddler's Elbow six days from now. It's uh, next Thursday. Eric does it every year. He raises a lot of money for a lot of great causes, so check that out. And uh, Eric, if you're listening, just know that I am incredibly jealous of the day that you will be spending in Stanford, Connecticut, in Stanford, Connecticut at WWE headquarters with Triple H, the game. Uh, I hope that he teaches you the art of the pedigree. Have fun, Eric. With that said, it's time to jump into my interview with Mike Williams. Mike Williams is a Brooklyn guy, and Brooklyn guys always come with a little swagger, and you get some of that in the interview. This was recorded live from Washington, D.C. 
at the Marriott, the Big Ten Media Day. Take it away, Mike. So I'm here with uh, Mike Williams, the uh, longest-tenured Scarlet Knight on the Rutgers basketball team right now. Mike, uh, how are you enjoying your Big Ten Media Day experience? Uh, you know, it's a good experience, you know, because normally, you know, being really good to associate with the other teammates, the other um, players on other teams like that, you know, unless it's in the 94 feet of Hollywood, you know, that's usually that's our business. So, you know, it's good to, um, you know, be able to talk to the other players like you, like, where you really normally won't. You know, do that on the court. So you know, it's been a good experience so far. You see so much of these guys on film. Is it weird to actually see them as people and just you know talk with them or whatever? Uh, no, not really. You know, we're all human. We're human at the end of the day. You know, um, but it has been funny. You know, a lot of the players that um, normally that who who really serious on the court have really good personalities, and uh, you really, you wouldn't know that you know watching them on film. Um, you're showing a little of your personality here, you're bringing the uh, New York flavor to DC. You got. You like getting dressed up and showing off at these kinds of events? Yeah, you know, I got to show, you know, everybody that New York people got the best swag. I got to do that every once in a while. So I guess it's going to be your senior year, Big Ten tournaments being played in New York. Uh, have you looked at that at all? Is that exciting to you? Uh, well, you know, I've really looked at it, but, you know, I'm just taking it one year at a time, you know. I just can't believe it. I'm a junior right now. You know, I just came here as a freshman. You know, time time flies. You know, it's, I'm just trying to enjoy every minute of it as possible. I just remember like calling up your dad, trying to get you to get you on the phone after you committed and everything. Does it feel like it's been three years? I actually, it hasn't. I feel like I just got here on the banks. You know, last year. You know, it's, it's crazy. You know, time really waits for nobody. But you know, I'm just enjoying every minute of it. Is it hard at all? You're kind of starting over now with a new coach, a lot of new players. Uh, you know, it was an adjustment. But, you know, um, I adjusted pretty well. You know, I, I jumped all the boy. You know, he had a plan for me. He had a plan for all of us. You know, I, I like what he was saying. You know, um, it's time to win. It starts now. You know, especially starts now here in Big Ten Media Day. But um, you know, it's been an adjustment. But you know, I've been. I like it so far. We've seen Coach Pico's plan, like for the team, but for you specifically, what did he meet with you and say? Here's what we're going to change about you. Here's here's what your role is going to be. Like, what what was it like to see his vision for you um, as an individual? Uh, he, my his vision for me has been the same vision as Coach Jordan's. To be honest, you know, score the ball. Uh, he emphasizes defense. He said I could be one of the best defenses playing in the Big Ten. And he just says, um, you know, do what you do. You know, always go to the gym. You know. And we won't have a problem. How important is the defense thing for you? I mean, I look at you, and you're one of the better perimeter defenders Rutgers has. You seem to take it more seriously than your average college basketball player. Like, what is your thought on playing defense? Um, you know, it's a sense of pride. You know, um, defense. You gotta have a sense of pride when you're playing defense because you know, um, sometimes you know, like you hear big names come out of nowhere. You know, how he dropped 30 one night. And, you know, that's just a pride. You know, I, my whole sense of that is that I'm not going to let this man score 30 on me. Um, Coach Peigel showed me the same PowerPoint that he showed you guys in terms of your numbers in the league, and the defensive numbers are not pretty. Uh, you talk about the pride of playing defense. Does that hit your pride and, and motivate you guys to definitely, play harder? Definitely. That really that shot. That hurt my feelings a lot because, you know, I take pride in my defense for us to be last in almost every category in the defensive category. Um, I, 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 hurt, I hurt my pride, you know, because, you know, I take pride in defense and, you know, I, have, I feel like I, have, I wasn't really doing anything. Right. It, it seems like part of Coach Peichel's thing in taking over is he's 
being real honest with you guys, like, here's what you're really bad at, here's what you're good at. Do you like when a coach comes after you like that? Because it seems like he's not holding, pulling back any punches. Uh, well, it's an adjustment. But um, I'd rather him be honest with me than just, you know, try to sugarcoat everything. So, you know, he came out the gate, showed us what he was bad at. You know, we took that to heart. He jumped on, he jumped on our board. He told himself that um, we're not going to be last in every category no more. In terms of basketball, you're coming from you know big time basketball in New York City, 20 point per game guy in high school. What was it like translating from New York basketball to Big Ten basketball? It was an adjustment because you know New York. Um, I was one of the bigger, stronger, faster guys in my league, and coming here to playing in the Big Ten, everybody's just as good, everybody's just as fast, everybody's just as strong. So you know how to um, really adjust my game to um, the way and, um, the conference style fits. Uh, in terms of you, you shot the lights out in high school, and you're still not afraid to shoot the three, but the percentage isn't what it used to be. Like, how can you work on that? And is that something you still want to be like a three-point guy first? Uh, well, yeah, you know, um, naturally, you know, I was uh, one of the best shooters in New York City, and uh, I come into college and thinking I was going to do the same thing, you know, and it wasn't it hasn't really translated yet. So I you know I just been working tirelessly, nonstop, day in and day on my shot trying to get it to where it was back then in high school and even better. But uh, I don't really just see myself as that, you know, I feel like I could do a lot more things and I feel like I could put them all on the floor. But um, shooters do what they do best and I shoot the ball and that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I didn't mean that as an insult, like you're not shooting well. I mean, like it seems like your game's kind of evolving. You're not just a stand in the corner and shoot a three guy. You do stuff with the ball in your hands, you, you pass. I mean, how much have you tried to develop as a more complete guy? Um, I really try to develop because, you know, my destination is try to play professionally one day, you know. Um, naturally, people, you know, they want shooters, but the next thing is what else can you do after that, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I really has been trying to work on my hitting a lot more, work on my um, IQ better, make um, make my passing and my decision-making a lot better because, you know, at the end of the day, like, a coach, you can shoot the ball, but what, what, you, what can you do after that? What happens if that's taken away from you? What can you do after that? Right, enough basketball. Um, how are you liking Rutgers now that you've been here for a while? Like, what do you like about the school and classes and stuff? Well, I like the diversity at, at the school. You know, um, a lot of diverse. It's a lot. It's a lot of diversity. You know, people from all over the world coming here to the school. You know, and the Rutgers is a power. It's a power school. You know, um, ranked 30th, 30th in the whole world in academics. So you know, that's a big plus. And um, other than that, everybody in that is everybody in that um, area is really friendly. You know. Um, when they see, they, they don't really just see me as a basketball player, they see me as an individual, you know. Um, I, mean, I like that. I like that. I don't, I don't like when people think of me just as a basketball player. So I, I went to Rutgers too. I grew up in Virginia, so the diversity was pretty, changed a lot about me just growing up. What's something that you think changed you just experiencing the whole diversity and the differences of uh, Rutgers? Uh, I guess. Handsome too. Handsome too. I like that. Thank I like you. that. No, no problem. Uh, interruption from Coach Peichel there. The diversity at Rutgers, you talked about how you liked it. Has it changed you at all as a person, like growing up um, from what you're used to in Brooklyn to now so many different cultures? Um, yes, because, you know, um, Brooklyn, you know, it's a, it's a real tough lift coming up from Brooklyn. You know, you see a lot of um, a lot of negative influences on every corner. You got to be careful and make the wrong corner. You wind up in some place you really want, want to be in. You know, coming to Jersey um, to the um, – River over every ten, it makes it over every ten. You know, um, you know, it grew me up a lot. You know, it gave me a better um, aspect on what's life, what else is out there. 
besides um, what's in Brooklyn. You know, um, a lot of connections, a lot of people out there, you know, going to make my life easier when I'm done with college and when I'm done with basketball. So, you know, I feel like Rutgers has groomed me up a lot, and uh, I just want to thank you. A lot of people have no idea what they want to do with their life when they're your age. Um, when basketball is done, and do you know what you want to do? Um, yeah, yes, I really do. I, re I wanted to become a lawyer before I even played basketball. Um, I always wanted to become a lawyer. You know, I was always interested in the law system, but now I'm really, I realize I want to like either become like a sports agent or like rec like um, represent um, athletes who, like who come in trouble with the law. So that's what I want to do. What's, uh, what movies do you like? Cause there's so many uh, there's so many lawyer movies and sports lawyers and agent movies. Is there any that you, you really grew up watching or that you love? Uh, Jerry Maguire is, I guess, the obvious one for football. But uh, I grew up watching. Um, I forget the name of the movie. Is a, a movie with um, Canal Reeves. I forget. Oh. Um, but like he was tempted by the devil or whatever. Yeah, the Devil's Advocate. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was one of my favorite movies growing up. You know. Um, it was dealing with God and you know, then it's dealing with the law aspect of what I want to do. So that was one of my favorite movies growing up. How about basketball movies? I'm a Space Jam guy. Space Jam, Space Jam all the way, you know. That's my, that's my favorite movie. Space Jam, like Mike, um, what else? Glory Road. I'm into I'm really into like a lot of historical stuff. You know, Coach Carter, you know, I, lo I love all those movies. Coach Carter's a good one. Yeah, it is. Um, how about uh, do you like any other sports movies or any what, like what other stuff are you into outside of basketball? Uh, I'm into dancing. You know, I'm a dancing kind of guy. You know, I like making people laugh too. You know, because uh, a lot of times, like people see me see me as a serious guy on the court. You know, not really saying much. But off the court, people actually say I'm one of the funniest people they ever met. Well, every time I'm trying to interview Corey Sanders, you're trying to interview Laurent or something. You're always popping in the background, and you seem to enjoy that. Um, uh, I guess I asked the same three questions at the end of these, like kind of Rutgers history questions. For, for you, who would you say is your favorite, like Rutgers athlete? Mm. Either someone that's there now, or someone you watched as a kid, or you've seen on Quincy film. Doobie, Brooklyn boy. <laughs> what, what's it like having Quincy come by every once in a while? He, he seems like he's trying to be supportive of what you guys are doing. Oh, you know, it's great. You know, like that's what I want to be that when I get when I get to around his age. You know, when I'm done with like um, college and I'm playing professional overseas or in the NBA or whatever I'm doing, whether I'm in like have a regular job. You know, just come by. You know, and support. You know, all the um, the new gen and next generation. You know, I, I appreciate what he's doing. I, I, that's something I want to do when I get to his age. You guys have had some exciting moments. Uh, you know, beating Wisconsin a couple of years ago, stuff like that. But what, should, what would you say is your favorite memory of Rutgers right now? That Wisconsin game. I know, that game was. I wasn't even mad. I didn't even play that game. You know, I was. I, that game was. I really wanted to watch that game instead of play it. To be honest. What do you remember about it? I mean, it seems like forever ago. Um, a lot of losses since then, but that game it was kind of like the "Hey, we belong here" kind of moment. Um, my favorite moment. I have two favorite moments actually. Well, Malik Kuna hit that three in the corner, and then when my man Shaq. Got the ball and dunked, drove to the lane and dunked it. That was one of the two biggest moments I will always remember. Like, you know. I didn't even know Shaq could dunk at that point. <laughs> that was the first time I ever saw him do it. Last question, Mike. If you get to have one more meal at Rutgers, uh, what restaurant are you going to and what are you ordering? Steakhouse 85. Ooh, that's surf and turf. Classy. Mm -hmm. Always classy, Mike Williams. Mm -hmm. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Good time with the guest segment this week. Always fun to be talking Rutgers basketball. And we're going to transition now 
talking, you know, the news for this week, a little Q&A with scout national recruiting analyst Brian Dunn. I know you were really into the basketball coverage ramping up to the start of the season and the Steve Peichel era. I, I, I am because I think for the first time in a while, it's, it's a lot like football where I can see some kind of light. I don't know how long that tunnel is, but if I look really close, I can see something down there. And it's nice to get some good kids on campus. I, I like what they're doing in recruiting. And now they have a practice facility that they can talk about that, let's see, I've been covering Rutgers and recruiting and that stuff. been back from uh, my stint in Los Angeles for more than seven years now, and I've heard all this talk about it. And it looks like they're finally going to break ground with it. So good job. Yeah, uh, that gets us started in part one of the news here. Having a hole in the ground is certainly a lot better to show recruits than a leaflet or an internet rendering. So it's progress. Groundbreaking, as you guys know, you know, we reported on it this week, and Pat Hobbs had some good comments. Set for November 1st, it's not going to be open to the public, but we'll be there to break it down and cover it. 10 a.m. November 1st is a big moment for Rutgers. This groundbreaking, look, we've seen groundbreakings before that are completely meaningless, and this one can only mean so much until Rutgers truly raises all the funds it needs. There's a lot of progress. The naming rights deal that's been reported is part of that. But, look, digging a hole for a practice facility is about as big a deal as we've had in Rutgers basketball in a very long time. I mean, it's a step, right? It's a step to a new athletic facility. It's something that they need. I don't think it's going to rival probably what they have at North Carolina or Oregon and stuff like that. But, you know, make the effort. You know, that's a big part of it for me. They're making the effort. They understand something has to happen. And now Pikeville can go to his recruits and say, okay, here's what you will be in during your time at Rutgers. And now it's up to Rutgers to get it done. Yeah. Our, people remember Chris Carlin being on the show maybe six weeks ago. And Chris said, look, I've been to every Big Ten basketball facility on the road, and that's why I donated to this, pro- to this build thing is because Rutgers is so far behind these schools. And it's like Pat Hobbs has been saying is this is how Rutgers makes a statement that they're going to compete in the Big Ten is by putting the money and the effort into it. So, yeah, a groundbreaking is mostly symbolic, but I think it's also going to be the next step in getting money out of the donors' pockets. It's one thing to get – the initial group all in, it's another thing to actually show progress, and I think that's where more people will jump on board financially. I would hope so, and I think there's a plenty of donors out there. You just have to give them a reason to be passionate about it, and I think athletics is doing that, and hopefully the administration on the university side will be on board with it too. Yeah, this, and again, this is not... <laughs> I get what you mean there. This is uh, not just a basketball facility. Obviously, that's what it means to most fans out there, but it's going to house other stuff. There's going to be a physical Hall of Fame in there. Wrestling, gymnastics, we'll be able to use the facility, nutrition stuff. It's a four-story building out by the business school and all the other stuff they've built on Livingston. And it's another thing that continues. For the uh, Rutgers people, the younger Rutgers people out there that remember Livingston as the ghost town that it was when I was a student, Livingston's actually a real campus now, and this is another attraction to that campus. All right, transitioning into part two of the news here, Jonathan Taylor, the still Rutgers running back commit from Salem, New Jersey, took his official visit to Wisconsin, 
Camp Randall was rocking. I know a lot of you watched that game against Ohio State on television. Jonathan Taylor had a pretty good seat for that game. But he left still committed, and he still plans on officially visiting Rutgers. So I would consider that a win for Chris Ash at this point. If it's not a win, at least they got the game in the overtime. Um, I think the key with him is the further you get away from that Wisconsin visit, does the great vibe still stay? He really wants to visit Virginia Tech. He likes Virginia Tech's offense. He likes what the campus is about. He has a good relationship with the assistant coach, Brian Mitchell, down there. There's a long way to go in this one, but it ain't 53 nothing going into the fourth quarter. So you got it into overtime, and now you see if you can go and make the play that you need to make to keep him committed. And look, it, at least I hope people realize now that with him staying committed to Rutgers for the time being, that this isn't, uh-oh, here comes the mass exodus because they're going to struggle on the field. We've said it a zillion times, and I'll say it again. These recruits know what's going on. When, when Rutgers is recruiting them saying, you can play as a freshman, it's not rhetoric. They're making sure they understand it because there's some kids that they'll tell, hey, come in, work hard, and you'll have an opportunity. And there's other kids that saying, hey, just come and do your thing, and you're going to be one of our most talented kids at that position. So I, I think it's a great thing for Rutgers that he didn't commit to Wisconsin during the trip, but still a lot of work to do. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is a good prospect. He really showcased his athleticism in the opening. He's having a good season. But, I mean, there's an argument to be had that he's not even the best running back Rutgers has committed right now. I really like Jonathan Lovett. I know that our members saw my interview with him and his highlights, and he visited for the last game. I, I think he can be just as good, if not better, than Taylor. And then you have other options out there. Should something go wrong with Taylor, my thing with Jonathan Taylor is he, he's a good football player, but it's a lot easier to lose a running back than it is to lose a quarterback. And decommitments happen these days, and Rutgers hasn't really fallen victim to that yet. So even if it goes down, I'm not really concerned about it. it, it it's something that could happen, and that's how recruiting works now. And it seems like Rutgers has a backup plan in order, which in our members – know about and our non-members listening for free on iTunes. First, thank you. Uh, second, you know, the free trial, extended free trial is always available if you reference this podcast and shoot me an email so you can check out more information about the running back situation there. When I heard you say it's not like a quarterback, I, I wonder how many people drove off the road or went, uh-oh, our quarterback's in trouble? Wait, Jonathan Lewis is looking around? That's what the last few years have done to Rutgers yeah. fans. When something hits with adversity, the first thing they think of is Rome is about to crumble. Um, you know, you mentioned Jonathan Lovett and comparing him to Jonathan Taylor. It's a really hard thing to do. It's like, it's like comparing Tim Brown to Kenny Britt. They're two different players. I mean, Taylor is a one-cut go, powerful, thick legs, thick upper body, great top-end speed. But he's not a kid that's going to make two people miss in the backfield and go. He's going to need a hole to be able to run through. Lovett is a little different. He's a lot taller. He's longer. He runs a little bit higher right now just because he's tall. I mean, you know, when you're three inches taller, you've got to get a little lower. He's not as physical as Taylor. Taylor is a one-position kid. Lovett, I think he can play safety. I think he can grow into an outside linebacker if running back doesn't work out. 
Um, they're just different players. Um, Lovett can catch the ball well. Taylor can catch it not nearly as well as Lovett can. So when you're looking at them, they're different style running backs, and, and you want that. You don't want to keep you know doing the same thing over and over with with power or with speed. Mixing it up is is always good. Gives the offensive coordinator different options. Um, but I, I think this is an interesting one to watch, and I think you hit it right on the head. It's a running back, and it's a heck of a lot easier to go find a running back in December and January than it is to find a quarterback in December or January. And welcome into the Rutgers mailbag segment for this week. I know that you've been tweeting me at Sam Hellman Scout and emailing me shelman at scout.com all week talking quarterbacks, but we've really discussed quarterbacks to death uh, on the scarletreport.com site, so you can Go there and check out all of our thoughts on Giovanni Rossigno, on what it means for Chris Laviano, quarterback recruiting, Jonathan Lewis, all that stuff. We're going to take the mailbag in a different direction this week, and that is Brad Hawkins, the uh, Michigan commit at wide receiver that went to prep school. And, Brian, you, you wrote about Brad Hawkins yesterday, and everyone was able to check that out. But the question is, what is the latest with Brad Hawkins? Does Rutgers have a chance here? You always have a chance, right? Because he's not signed and delivered and home state kid. But, you know, Brad called me Wednesday night. We talked for a while. He's having a great time at Suffield Academy. He's making an official visit to Michigan November 19th for the final home game for the Wolverines. And he told me he's not looking around. He's 100% committed to Michigan. And he's looking forward to being part of the program. And that's a little different than what was going on in the summer when he left Michigan when you know the word was getting out and you know, through some sources because Brad didn't want to talk about it that he wasn't really going to look at Michigan that they had parted ways but it's amazing you know what things happen with time when cooler heads can prevail and you play well yeah that's the key and all of a sudden you say ah that's why we took them and I give credit to Brad for being mature about the situation and understanding how things can change and give credit to Michigan for, you know, staying with them and going back and making sure. And, and they visited him at his school last week, or I should say they visited his school last week so people don't get all crazy about visiting him. But it's a situation right now where he plans on going to Michigan. I know other schools will continue to call for him. Uh, Suffield Academy is 10 minutes from the airport in Connecticut and North Hartford, you know, north of Hartford, so it's easy in and out for schools that want to see him. We'll see what happens, but right now all the expectations are that he'll be at Michigan. Yeah, this is what real schools do in recruiting a lot of the time is maybe you don't feel as good about a kid on signing day as you did in August and have him prep, and if he gets better, which Brad Hawkins did, then you amp up the aggression. I wouldn't be surprised if Rutgers starts doing this as the school becomes a more attractive option. And with Rutgers, the thing to keep in mind, sure, Brad Hawkins would be great to add to the roster, but their wide receiver class is pretty good right now. Amir Mitchell's eligible next year, and they're really rebooting that position next year as the senior class that hasn't been that productive graduates. Yeah, and I think the other thing you look at with Hawkins is I like him as a receiver. I also always liked him as a safety. He offers that versatility, which I'm sure is something Michigan thinks about as well. I just think that... 
when we talk about recruiting Sam and things change, hopefully Rutgers fans will start to see this because in the past few years, when a decision was made, it was never revisited. And I shouldn't say never, it was rarely revisited. And so to see that what Michigan does, and and you're dead right. I mean, I've seen it with Rutgers in recruiting where maybe they're not going to go on a kid. They watch him, and then they go on the kid. I mean, there's a couple kids in the 2017 class that are committed who are like that. And no, I'm not getting into who they are because, you know, that we wanted to get into it at the time we would have let everybody know what was going on sometimes you protect the kids sometimes you know you just don't want that information out to make the kid look bad or or whatever but i think when you're looking at brad hawkins and and michigan it's going to be very tough for anybody to get him away from there especially with how well the wolverines are playing on the field Thanks, Brian, for stopping by. I appreciate every time you make a few minutes out for me. You're a busy guy, and anytime you're able to stop by Rutgers and join the Rutgers Scoutcast is much appreciated. Brian had to go return some videotapes, so I'll take the off-topic question myself this week before we wrap up. This was a question that I got on Twitter. The question was, what are some teams or, or players that I like to follow in college football outside of Rutgers? Well, to be honest, the when I get home from work or if it's Thursday or Friday night and there's a game on, the, the last thing I'm usually thinking about is, oh, great, more football. Um, I, I love football. I love covering football. I love my job. But if I'm off the clock or if I'm working on something, I try to avoid uh, adding more football into my life because I already have plenty of it. Uh, with that said, I will happily answer the question. I, I've really enjoyed following Delaware for the last two, three years. I've always paid attention to Delaware. It was a school I sort of looked at out of high school. I know some people that went there or had brothers go there. I know some of the players, but I really started following Delaware for a couple reasons. First, Dave Brock. I got to know Dave Brock the year he worked for Kyle Flood, so I kind of paid attention to him once he took that job. Uh, There have been some Rutgers guys down there that I enjoy following or had good relationships with at Rutgers. Mike Bamonte is a GA there right now. Mike Bamonte is one of my favorite Rutgers players of all time because he was a great kid behind the scenes. I hope that the staff change with Dave Brock keeps Mike Bamonte in a good position work-wise. Other guys like Blake Rankin is playing quarterback down there, another really nice kid part of that. Uh, first Kyle Flood, Greg Schiano turnover recruiting class, Charles Scarf, a tight end that walked on at Rutgers and then switched to a scholarship opportunity at Delaware. Uh, I hope that he continues to have success there. And then also the Delaware star player, Wes Hills, the running back, was a guy that Rutgers took a look at in high school. He comes from a small school in South Jersey. He's actually pretty close in real life to Bobby Darren from Rivals, who I would assume everyone listening to this knows Bobby. I've known Bobby for a while. I worked for Bobby when I was a student. So it's fun every Saturday to check in and say, hey, how did West do? So I, I enjoy watching Delaware, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that coaching search comes out. That's about it for this week. Thanks for sending in your questions, and please send me more questions. Next week, our guest in wrapping up basketball coverage will be Corey Sanders.
Everyone knows Corey Sanders. He was a riot last time he came on the show, and I'm happy to welcome Corey back, talking more Steve Peichel. We talk about the NBA. We talk about his insane testing athletic numbers. We go more into detail with that. We talk about Corey Sanders' you know, family life. We talk about his interest in the music scene and his budding music career a little bit. So all of that's going to be fun next week. Any questions that you have in terms of the Rutgers football bye week wrestling media day is Wednesday. Anything you want me to discuss, go ahead and shoot me a tweet at Sam Hellman Scout. Go ahead and let uh, Rutgers basketball know that you enjoyed hearing from Mike Williams on the show this week or Steve Peichel the week before. Thank you to Steve Peichel, to Ben Asher, Jordan Ozer, Kevin Lorenz, the entire team over at Rutgers basketball for helping facilitate these media day interviews from Washington, D.C. Lastly, I'll go ahead and give you my weekly plea to like and subscribe in iTunes. This show is not about making money. It is not profitable for me. It's about fun, and it's about spreading the Rutgers love, keeping Rutgers in the conversation in multiple mediums. And the more that you guys support it, tell a friend, toss it a review in iTunes, all that stuff, the more you do that, the more the show stays afloat. Looking forward to next week. Hopefully for Rutgers, the bye week comes with a lighter feeling. Maybe comes after an upset win for Minnesota. Should be a good game. I hope everyone enjoys watching it. Sam Hellman, the publisher at Scarlet Report. Until next week, thanks for listening.